Good morning and welcome to this episode of How the Focaccia. I'm your host, Adam Martin, more commonly known as the No Breakfast Guy. And today I'm super excited to have our guest on. Um, For all of you who have listened to my first podcast, they've all been people and guests that uh, have been in my life for quite some time and I know them quite well and I thought they'd add a lot of value to the um, kind of audience that we're bringing these... uh, interviews with, but Max here is a very passionate intermittent faster and later day eater himself. He's got a book out and I think he can add a lot to this conversation around skipping breakfast and how it can help us live a happy and healthy life. So Max, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Adam. How are you? Very well, mate, and very well. And yourself? I'm great. Loving it. Um, Everyone that I've interviewed thus far has been from Australia, and so it's kind of been a common theme when I ask them the very first question of how the weather is. Back in (laughs) Melbourne, it's pouring down rain, and it's about 10 degrees, and so I'm feeling quite chuffed where I am, where it's 35 degrees every day in the south of France. I'll ask you the same question. uh, How's the weather today? Well, I'm here in London, and actually the weather is great for once. Um, it's about 26, 27 degrees, I think, and the sun is out. So, yeah, no, no complaints whatsoever. Almost a heat wave for the uh, UK then. Yeah, they call it a heat wave, yeah. We had, <laughs> we've had actually quite a consistent summer. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's been great. Fantastic, guys. A couple of guys I watch on uh, YouTube who are kind of car car uh, YouTubers like Paul Wallace from um, Supercars of London and things like that and I've been watching them and like it's just been beautiful in the uh, the UK of late so uh, yeah I guess I can't complain when London usually a bit grey and wet. Yeah it's for you know for about six or seven months of the year you don't really see the sun at all and it gets dark (laughs) and gets like you know late so but it kind of makes it worth it when it is sunny and you kind of forget about those six months because yeah. it is such a great place when the sun's up. Yeah, fantastic. Um, so as I've said in the past, quite a few people um, that have been on my show so far, I've read out the introduction and a bit of feedback was that I'm a bit dry and a bit boring in how I introduce people. Um, I think people who love to talk about themselves more so are the people themselves. So instead of me introducing you, how about you yeah. tell the audience just a little about yourself from where you've come from and uh, who you are and what you're doing these days to kind of, um, yeah, who you are. Sure. Well, I grew up uh, just outside London, actually, in a place called Watford. Um, I went to school and I was always very interested in sport and exercise. Um, I was county level at rugby, swimming and athletics. I then got myself into a bit of trouble um, at the age of 16, um, left a few schools, stopped doing all exercise went down a very kind of unhealthy substance abuse route, pretty right. much alcohol, you know, like all kind of, not all, but a lot of teenage teenagers can get into those kind of bad habits and bad situations. Sure. And then kind of slowly got myself out of that and I became a stockbroker um, for about four years, which was really good for a lot of ways, but also terrible in other ways. And it just, I wasn't interested in it after a while. And it was a very unhealthy lifestyle. And that unhealthy lifestyle pushed me back into who I actually am and what I used to be, which was, you know, excelling at sport and exercise and being active. Um, so I kind of quit the job and I um, qualified as a personal trainer, did all my nutrition exams, and I went traveling around South America. And then in South America, I started eating basically one big meal a day. Um, without really realizing what I was doing, at the same time as training quite a lot. Um, and I just felt amazing and I, I looked great as well. I was very low body fat. Yeah. And that's basically my first experience with intermittent fasting. I kind of did it without understanding what it was. Yep. It's only when I got back to the UK, I started being a personal trainer and I started researching 
kind of what I was doing, um, did I realize it was something called intermittent fasting. Mm -hmm. I then mm -hmm. kind of started incorporating it into my own life again with amazing results. And then my clients and then my online clients. And it's kind of led after about four years of being a personal trainer into the book and the website and kind of me really um, believing that this can change a lot of people's lives in a really non kind of restrictive way. Yeah, I mean, you're hitting all the nails on the head and um, it's a different path to how I came about it and obviously we'll discuss that more today. Um, but where you say you kind of, like, you know, we would say in um, Australia kind of went off the rails in your kind of, you know, late yeah. teenage years, um, yeah. that kind of path back into kind of becoming fit again and kind of wanting yeah. to feel fit and kind of... Um, was that then interrupted by your world going back into the stockbroking? I mean, as soon as I hear stockbroker, my, my head can only think but go to the movie, um, you know, that Leonardo DiCaprio is in The Wolf of Wall Street. Was that kind of the the world that yeah. you lived in? Was it that kind of excess and kind of drinking and client meetings and things like that all the time? Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, The Wolf of Wall Street is obviously very exaggerated yeah. in a certain way. <laughs> but, I mean, it's essentially exactly the same. I mean, I was in a quite a small brokerage um which had that exact same kind of mentality and and kind of vibe to it um when i say so basically i was still drinking and going out heavily at when i was a broker it's just um before being a broker i kind of was getting out of the whole um like just yeah basically drug yep. <laughs> drug infused nights um and i wanted to kind of do something with my life rather than doing nothing yeah i then yeah. you know got the broking job but it was still going out and <laughs> partying and <laughs> yeah. entertaining clients um, which was fun when you're 19 20 21 years old sure but then i, <laughs> I just slowly but surely realized why well, i just felt like crap all the time um mm -hmm. and i didn't aspire to be like anyone around me you know I was around don't get me wrong there were nice people there but uh, as a whole there were what we used to call wrongins yep. okay. yeah. <laughs> um, you know and I wasn't interested so all those things combined made me made me leave and um, yeah I just wanted to do something that I actually had an interest in and that that made me feel good so I became a personal trainer and did my nutrition exams and everything um, when you were saying that you were um, quite high level in those three sports, you said athletics, rugby, and what was the other one, sorry? Swimming. And swimming. Um, did you compete, obviously, in all of them at the same level, or did you kind of go down the path of one of them as your, your main kind of chase, and the other ones were kind of still good at, but just following you behind? Uh, well, that's the thing. Because I was about 16, I hadn't yet chosen. I was getting to the stage where I was going to have to choose. Yep. Um, probably swimming I had the most talent for. Um, athletics, I was very quick at the sprints and that's why I was good at rugby. Um, okay. so swimming was probably talent wise, uh, my best, but the problem is I went to a very traditional English boarding school and don't get me wrong. It's a great school and people would kill to go there. I got a sports scholarship, so I was very fortunate. Mm -hmm. Um, but basically they were just overworking me and it just got to the stage where I hated all sport and exercise and kind of rebelling against that made me go down that, that route of, um, of basically drugs. <laughs> yeah, right. And where Much. are you today with, um, with sport? Do you still swim? I mean, I, I know obviously um, we obviously met through Instagram, so I yeah. have followed you on Instagram page and know your running background that you're currently doing now and a lot yeah. of the hikes that you do. So obviously you're on your feet, but do you still do any rugby or do you swim at all or anything like that? 
Um, yes, I was. So when I quit the broking job, um, again, this is all kind of my journey. I wanted an excuse to say no to going out the weekends. Mm -hmm. So I basically joined my old sprint club when I was about, you know, I used to sprint with them when I was about 13 or 14 and I was sprinting with them for a good four years. So up until last, the end of last season. Um, so I was sprinting competitively. Now I'm not sprinting, but I'm, um, I'm learning the Olympic lifts with, Mm -hmm. Um, a guy that competes with hopefully the aim of competing at some point um, in next year. Oh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm kind of, yeah, I'm learning new skills. It's a combination of Olympic lifting and gymnastics. That's what I'm doing at the moment, but no rugby and no swimming. Unfortunately, it's just swimming in the UK is not like swimming in Australia. It's indoor pools and they're not very nice and it's a bit <laughs> antisocial. Um, um. Yeah, well, I mean, anyone who uh, knows me well is uh, I, I married a professional swimmer, and that's how, oh, wow. and that's how um, I guess she became my wife. She was actually a client of mine, and uh, she came to me for um, some shoulder rehab. She's a backstroker. What was your uh, What was your pet event as a swimmer? Um, I was good at front crawl and butterfly. Okay, the the shorter distance, like fifty hundreds, or were you up to two hundreds? Fifty and hundreds. I'm I'm an all out sprinter. I'm not an endurance athlete in in any way, shape, or form. I'm very <laughs> Very explosive, which is why the Olympic lifts are proving quite um, quite good for me. And how are you? I mean, again, I've uh, been watching uh, on your stories with uh, some of the lifting you're doing, and certainly uh, improving on technique and um, power. How yeah. have you been finding the progressions over the last you know, couple of months doing them? It's been it's been a lot of fun, and it's because I kind of touched on, on the technique back in September. I kind of started doing them, but not properly. Um, now that my body is starting to understand the movements and it's becoming kind of learned rather than having to think about it sure. all the time, it's, I'm able to use the power that I have in a really efficient ways and it's really exciting and I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. And also I'm working on all my weaknesses because when you're, when you're, you know, the lifts, it's, there's everything working at the same time. And if you have any weaknesses, they will come out as the yes. weight starts to increase. And so we're spotting my weaknesses and we're working my weaknesses, which I'm loving. And you said there's the aim to compete. So in like a powerlifting kind of competition, the three, you know, bench, dead and squat, is that the kind of aim? No, no. So powerlifting is, as you say, it's benching, it's squatting and uh, deadlifting. So that's the, the aim of powerlifting is just, well, it's those three lifts and you're lifting as much as possible. Yep. Whereas Olympic lifting is how you see in the Olympics. It's the okay. clean, yep. clean of jerks and snatches. Um, so I'm not sure if you're familiar with them. So it's slightly different. Um, there's a lot more technique involved and there's a lot more things going on. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's, that's the difference really. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, so let's kind of go down the route and obviously, um, as I introduced you to the show and you, um, said yourself, um, you're an intermittent faster, um, Mm. that you kind of stumbled across it kind of by accident without even realizing what you're doing. Um, when you had that trip through South, um, South America, was it, the lunch or was it the dinner that was the one big meal that you were having every day? It was a dinner. Yeah. So it was pretty much a 24 hour fast each day, was it? So it was basically one and a half meals. I was at the time I was actually going out quite a lot. So I'd probably wake up about 11 o'clock AM. Yep. I then train with this Italian guy. We, I mean, we go out all night and we basically still be drunk for the night before <laughs> we'd go and train on the beach. And sometimes I wouldn't even really remember the training session because I'd, I'll go back to sleep afterwards. <laughs> uh, I'm not condoning that, by the way, but, you know, it's part of my journey. Yeah, sure. Uh, and, yeah, then basically they have – in Brazil, uh, this is where it happened. They have these places where you kind of weigh your food. It's like a really normal thing. You kind of have this buffet, and they charge you based on how how much the, the plate weighs. Oh, wow. Uh, but 
so it could actually end up being quite expensive. But then I found this one place that it was a set price. So essentially it's a buffet. It's a set price. You can help yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically because I was kind of, you know, doing th- I was asleep and then I was training during the day I've, and I wanted to save money. I was like, all right, I'll just, I'll just have one big meal in the evening. And, um, they also have this acai drink, which is acai berry or yep. acai berry yep. that they're obsessed with. So I would often have that uh, maybe about two hours before the main meal. And that, to be honest, is probably almost a meal in itself. Yeah. <laughs> There's quite a lot of um, sweetener and stuff in it. Well, they're uh, becoming quite the um, popular dish. I don't know if it is in the UK, but in, a, in yeah. Australia, Instagram, like yeah. people you know, photographing their acai bowls, acai, yeah, however you kind of pronounce it. I mean, yeah. it's just everywhere. So, um, yeah, it's, it's becoming quite a popular dish. I mean, most people obviously having it for breakfast, and um, that's obviously what we'll be talking about uh, against yeah. today. But obviously, you can have it at other times of the day. What, I mean, what's uh, it's obviously a berry, but what would you usually um, have in that meal as well? Well, yeah, so basically, it was like a shake. Oh, okay. Uh, yep. So basically, I think I'd get it with banana. So it'd be like, um, I can't remember what the Portuguese word for banana, but yeah, it, was, it would be like a, like a smoothie with. Mm-hmm. Um, acai berry, acai berry, and um, and banana, and you could get chocolate or protein in it as well. But I often didn't get the protein. Yeah. Okay. Uh, um, so I kind of have that like right after the workout, and then I'd have my big, big meal, which is normally like three big plates worth of, of food. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, I didn't re- know what I was doing, and I think I've always been someone who, fortunately, I had good habits with food. I I never saw food as energy. Um, Per se, I kind of, I quite like training fasted. I quite like being light and I'd eat when I was hungry. So fortunately I had good habits like that. So I kind of took to it um, and felt good off it um, quite quickly. Mm. It's, I mean, it's really interesting you say that because the more people that um, I've introduced to it and kind of come to that, um, that initial meeting with me or phone call with me and you know they know I'm coming to them about the later dating that's why they're kind of um, talking with me they, yeah. they always have that kind of defense up of like I just it'd get to 9 30 10 o'clock in the morning I'm just going to want to gnaw my arm off but yeah. then they start it within and it happened a lot quicker I have to admit when I first started kind of prescribing it to people and saying give this a go I thought it'd take weeks of kind of you know mm. habit retraining to kind of help people skip breakfast and not eat until lunch. Um, yeah. But it's amazing how many people within three, four um, days even will say that, you know what, this just feels right. It feels better. Yeah. I feel so much you know, clearer in the head. I feel lighter. Yeah. I feel more energetic. And it's, it's, um, it's been great to see that response. And um, I'm with you in that I obviously always ate breakfast as a kid and mum wouldn't let mm. me leave the house without it. But I, I always felt as though this just doesn't feel right for me to have in the morning. So I have to say the same thing is that when I did eventually come across it a couple of years ago um, and gave it a try myself, I always, um, I did take to it um, quite easily as well. And I have to say I'm a slightly different to you in that um, I have, I've always said I'm a 200 kilo guy sitting inside an athletic body. Um, Well, I have to say, my girlfriend says the same about me. (laughs) (laughs) If you give me the opportunity, I can very quickly um, kind of, put on weight and I mean it was evident uh, on my holiday that we just went on and my wife and I just went on a cruise around the Mediterranean it was just the typical kind of cruise <laughs> buffet food and I just like okay I'm having a week off I've been really good with my, my kind of uh, diet and um, training of late I'm just going to have a week off and relax and you know, I'll put three and a half kilos on in a week now yeah. I know obviously that's not all weight gain and um, you know yeah. you and I so, know that that is the case 
But that said, um, it was a pretty filthy week. I won't, uh, I won't lie about that. But um, very quickly, come back in, get back into the routine, and um, we're away again. And drop those three kilos in the week I've been back in um, training, awesome. training again um, now. So, um, so you've just finished up in South America. You moved back to the UK. Um, what was the journey from there? You said obviously you uh, you went down the personal training route. Um, tell us a little bit about kind of was, did you start in gyms? Did you start as an online coach? Where did that all come to come about? Well, so actually I got back and I never wanted to work in a gym. Um, I didn't want to be, you know, just like just basically standing around in the gym all day. So yep. I, I went the kind of hard way and kind of tried to find my own clients and go, you know, go to their homes and train in parks, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so fortunately, I had a few very supportive, actually started my friend's mums who yep. basically just spread the word. And it basically was all word of mouth initially, and it, it grew quite quickly, and I got a lot of experience very quickly. Um, at the same time, as because I didn't actually mention, but so I was, you know, I was eating the whole one and a half meals a day. But when I came back to England, I went back to eating three meals um, a day. Oh wow! Okay. Um, it's only I then kind of went from you know seven percent body fat back to twelve, thirteen percent body fat, even though I was cooking from scratch. I was eating, you know really clean foods and, you know, healthy foods. Sure. Um, and I, I just felt lethargic all the time as well. I just didn't feel good. Um, so, so yeah, it, I then researched it, realized I was something doing something called intermittent fasting. I then experimented with skipping breakfast, which initially I was like, this is not going to work. Breakfast is the most important meal of the day. <laughs> yep. Um, I was very worried about it. I was very pessimistic about it. Um, but as I mentioned, as soon as I skipped it, I was sub 10% body fat without even trying with no calorie counting or anything like that. Yep. Um, and I felt great, but yeah, with the, with the personal training, yeah, it just kind of, um, it just builds up. And I, I then, because of the results I got with myself and then the more research that I did, I then started incorporating, um, what was then not called the two meal day, but you know, the skipping breakfast, um, into my clients mm-hmm. and they had again great results in kind of such a non-restrictive and simple way. Did you have a lot of pushback from clients or were most pretty much open to it because they'd probably seen you had success on it or? Yeah. No, I'd say most of my clients were quite open to it. Some I didn't even bother trying to bring it up. Some didn't want to be spoken to about nutrition even though, you know, food yep. <laughs> in, I think is more important than the exercise in terms of weight loss. Um, but yeah, so some just didn't even try it, but yeah, no, most, I'd say most people, um, are fairly receptive to it. I mean, maybe not initially, but after I explain it, they're quite receptive to it. Sure. Um, there's a small amount of people who get very defensive about breakfast in mm-hmm. particular. Um, and they immediately kind of become narrow minded like, no, I couldn't do that. I couldn't, I can't do that. I can't, no, there's no way. Yep. Um, but no, most people are fairly, fairly receptive to it. And then you know, it just got such great results, which was, um, which was really motivational for me. And then, yeah, it just, it was a very slow process of me realizing this is actually the way, what I want to kind of, um, pursue and really share with the world. Um, because I'm not that way. Like before I was a personal trainer, I didn't even have Facebook. I didn't have Instagram. I'm not the kind of person that likes broadcasting, um, you know, my life. Mm Mm-hmm. But actually, now that I have something I really want to share, it's, it's you know, it's crucial. Um, and, you know, the internet is a powerful thing and getting that message out there. 
Definitely. And I mean, for, uh, as I always do, for anyone who does want to um, check up on Max, um, I'll be putting all of his details in below. He has a fantastic Instagram page, so I do highly recommend um, everyone jumping over there and having a look. Um, I think the knowledge that you push um, through there with not only your exercise um, kind of recommendations, but obviously the whole uh, intermittent fasting and two-meal day um, stuff yeah. that you put up there, I think is fantastic. And I will say you've got a, a far better photographer than uh, I do with my <laughs> than my Instagram page. Um, I'm obviously on my iPhone myself and uh, that's me, but you've got some incredible stuff over there. So yeah, I really do recommend people um, jump over and have a look at your stuff. Um, with regards to the clients that um, you're pushing it um, onto or kind of suggesting, um, is there any client that... Obviously, you said that people who are, you're just not going to bring it up with, but are there specific populations that you say you just won't go near um, with intermittent fasting because of potential um, contraindications it might have? I think the only type of person that I'm careful with is, I'm not trying to be sexist at all here, but there is a cert, normally a certain type of woman or uh, female who unfortunately has spent her whole life calorie counting and trying to restrict calories. Yep. Um, and then often they're, they're overtraining at the same time. So they're kind of, they're training really hard all the time trying to lose weight and then they're, they're cutting calories at every meal. Um, and then they might start the two day or intermittent fasting on top of those two things. Okay. And obviously that's just going to lead to drastic undereating and stressing the body out, which yep. is, which is not good. Um, that's the only kind of, girl that I think a person that would do better from just eating kind of regularly um, mm-hmm. and not trying intermittent fasting of you know other than that there's obviously there's like people that definitely shouldn't do it, like pregnant women and people with adrenal fatigue yep. and type 1 and type 2 diabetics obviously can do it but they have to go and seek advice from their doctor um, and do it they can't just go and do it off the back without getting sure. some help yeah, it's interesting you bring up um, the type two one and uh, type one and type two um, diabetes because I've just finished reading um, Terence Keeley's book. Um, oh, it's amazing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, Breakfast the Dangerous Meal, and again, <laughs> yeah, it is. And I mean, um, for anyone again, anyone who um, is interested in this area um, should definitely give uh, his book um, a read. Um, and he obviously pushes heavily for uh, anyone who's pre-diabetic um, or you know if mm. you are type two diabetic to. Um, to definitely be doing this, and but I, I'm with you in that. Um, I do throw a caution in that anyone who does come to me, um, pre-diabetic or a type two diabetic, um, I don't know enough about type one diabetes yet to kind of even put mm. in my two cents to it. So I won't kind of um, talk in an area I don't know about. Um, yeah. But with type two, uh, type two diabetes, pre and um, pre-diabetic, um, I'd certainly um, push it on them. But as you said, with a caveat that go and check it um, with your doctor and what i've said to most clients and i mean you tell us um in a second kind of how you go about it but what i've found is that clients then go and check with their doctors doctors don't agree with skipping breakfast so they say don't um but what i've now kind of changed the conversation with those clients is that tell your doctor you're going to do it and you want them to monitor your blood work to make sure that um, you yeah. are, are obviously of health and I've found that and I've then got phone calls from doctors saying, what the hell are you doing telling my client yeah. uh, to do that? And I'm just like, can we just try it for six weeks and see how we go? And if, if it all turns to shit, then I'm more than happy for them to kind of stop it. But let's just have a look and inevitably, yeah. obviously, they end up uh, feeling better and uh, doing better. But is that something along the lines of what you would do with um, type, type 2 diabetics? Yeah, I mean, um, the thing 
it's just the wording and it's just this breakfast thing. Like if you, you know, I've had lots of radio interviews and I've spoken to lots of like other nutritionists and dietitians and doctors and lots of people accept the, you know, that intermittent fasting is a good thing. And, you know, I think anyone that actually does any research into it will, will understand that it's a good thing mm-hmm. for, for, you know, for a lot of people. But when you start saying skipping breakfast, even though, you know, it's, it's intermittent fasting, but if you, if you put, <laughs> If you focus on the skipping breakfast, the same people will be like, no, you can't do that. You can't, you can't skip breakfast. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I find it's, um, it's the wording that is, is, yeah, is kind of important. And yeah, I think doctors, unfortunately, I'm not sure what it's like in, in, in Australia, but in the UK anyway, they spend virtually no time at all on nutrition, um, and food. And I think that's part of the problem, uh, at the moment is, is that, you know, they're just so focused on treating symptoms and giving people drugs. Um, and they they don't want to just be like, you know, you just need to, to sort your diet, to sort yeah, your diet. Look, I mean, I'm, I, I have to empathize with both sides. Um, because I've, I've spent a lot of time with, um, doctors in Australia, uh, being an exercise physiologist in Australia, a lot of my referrals come from doctors and we have a, yeah. a care plan on our national health scheme that allows people who are pre-diabetic, hypertensive, overweight. There's a whole heap, host of conditions that a doctor can refer you to an exercise physiologist to get, um, some advice on exercise and things like that. Um, and spending the time with the doctors, I've just found that these these guys and women are so overworked and their kind of average time with yeah, a client is you know, four to seven minutes. Um, yeah. And I do have to feel sorry um, for them in that that's all they get. But as you said, the flip side is that, you know, so many of them are just pushing drugs um, down people and they're treating symptoms and never saying, okay, why are you here as opposed to let's just fix this symptom and when another one comes up, come back to me and we'll fix that one again. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's a it's a balance between both sides, I guess. No, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I should maybe reword that. I'm not trying to, I'm not blaming doctors, but I no, think of the, course system, not. the system is is broken, yep. um, especially with the NHS. And I think something needs to fundamentally change from, from the kind, from the, from the top, from the bottom up kind of thing. A hundred percent agree. Uh, it yeah. just, it just, yeah, I think for a long time, um, you know, it, it was maybe this kind of route of treating symptoms was was working with certain diseases and illnesses, but now most of what we see in the Western world are diet-related disease, yep. um, heart disease, obesity, diabetes. Now Alzheimer's, they're, they're thinking, is, is diet-induced. You know, it, it seems crazy to me that you're treating diet related illnesses with drugs yeah i completely uh, agree it's interesting so. you bring up alzheimer's in that i think i just did a post on instagram not long ago um that they're actually looking at renaming um yeah. alzheimer's as type 3 diabetes because of its um relationship um that is very much like type 2 diabetes and as you said um a diet related type disease and it's interesting our uh, research that's starting to come out and um, it's something that's close to my heart because my nan died of Parkinson's um, really? disease. So um, I've seen the debilitate, um, debilitate. Yeah, it's awful. Yeah, it's, it's awful. And obviously the following dementia that usually attaches to most Parkinson's and then Alzheimer's being the other um, type. So yeah, it's, it's something that I'm quite passionate about to kind of prevent um, obviously coming up in people's lives. But if it does, I think there still can be things to be done to kind of help the symptoms of that. And I think intermittent fasting um, can certainly be um, yeah. a key to that. Um, Definitely. And obviously, we've both um, talked about it and alluded to it, but you've got a book out, um, 
let's yeah. let's go into that a little bit more and obviously how it brought the rise to your two meal day. And I think you've done very well in it, as you said, using language that doesn't say skipping breakfast because people freak out about it. And so yeah. I went down the kind of route of calling it later day eating as opposed to skipping breakfast yeah. as well. Um, tell us a little bit about how kind of um, the two meal day kind of came about and then the book and kind of the whole movement that you've created. Well, um, the two meal day, I just wanted it to be the name to be kind of as simple as it is. Um, and essentially by eating two larger meals, um, you're, you're getting that same benefit of, you know, intermittent fasting. You're, you're, you're breaking your day up into periods of eating and non-eating, roughly a 16 hour fast, yep. um, every day. So I kind of, um, yeah, I just wanted a simple way of explaining it. And with the book, um, basically I wanted to get the message out there in a really practical way. So it's not just the theory behind intermittent fasting um, although chapter one is all based on it in very kind of layman's terms I've tried to make it accessible to, to everyone sure. but also kind of practical ways to incorporate healthy eating into the two meal day method and philosophy uh, alongside workouts and my philosophy on nutrition and uh, sorry uh, on exercise and things like that yep um, um, so the book is kind of an all-encompassing all you know it's a weight loss book and obviously you know the most people will be doing and buying the book for weight loss, but I'm trying to show people that actually this can become a way of life that is so much more than just weight loss and sh and superficial things. It can actually fundamentally change your relationship with food. It can just, I mean, empower you to kind of become self-sufficient and not be dependent and a slave to food. Yeah, I mean... I yeah, it's a really powerful message that um, you kind of put across there, I think, Max, in that... Um my wife actually kind of uh, posted a comment a little while back in that um, she took up uh, uh, the intermittent fasting method. And I've been trying to get on her for um, a long time to give it a go, um, mm. but it was very difficult to kind of um, convince her. Be uh, probably more so be coming from the world of swimming because a lot of her yeah. sessions, obviously, very early morning and then very late night. She do two training sessions a day, and yeah. post swimming you know, they're ravenously hungry and I can completely yeah. understand for that population that they want to have something to eat after that. So kind of getting that out of her was quite difficult. But what she did when she did eventually kind of start it is along those lines in that she found that, you know, so much uh, that what we do in life these days is that you can pretty much do whatever you want. Like if you want something, you can go and do it. Whether you should or not, you can. Yeah. Um, and what she found in by the... I don't want to use the word because it's probably a negative connotation on it, but by depriving herself of something that she wanted that she didn't actually need, she yeah. felt that, no, you can survive and actually thrive um, by going without. And so I think that message that you said as well um, and just kind of you know, empowering yourself to kind of realize that you, know, you and your body is an incredible um, machine and yeah. you know, organism that um, – you know, can really do pretty special things if you allow it to kind of um, have the chance to do, do that. Do its job. Well, that's the thing. I think I think Terence Keeley he 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 kind of quoted something in the book, but essentially, there's lots of research at the moment going into how physical stress um, on the body can actually be a very good thing. Yep. There's lots of you know when you're exercising, all you're doing is stressing your body out. Uh, and your body adapts to that stress by becoming fitter, faster, or stronger. Yeah. And it's the same with fasting. You're putting yourself through a little bit of stress, 
And your body reacts really well to that and it adapts and it kind of optimizes virtually every system in the body. And it's the same with hot and cold treatment. And I think the problem in the Western world especially is that we become so stress averse. I mean, obviously there's kind of psychological and mental stress, you know, whether it's your job or, you know, money stress, that's not good. But physical stress, you know, being, uh, being really, really tired after doing some, you know, something manual, a really long walk or being too cold or being too hot or experiencing real hunger is actually good for the body and keeps your body working properly. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I'm really interested in this. And I think it's just people seem to have this fear of having an empty stomach. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, rightly so in some ways, I think it's, it's physiological. We're yeah. biologically designed to, to, you know, to want food. And it can be quite scary to, to go without. But also it's very social. It's very, you know, our, our environment currently in the Western world is we're, we're encouraged to eat nonstop. And, you know, you've got hour long flights where people might not be have access to food for an hour. And there's like <laughs> the snacks going around yeah. and, you know, and trains. It's just, it's just kind of ridiculous. And it's causing all sorts of problems. And the problem is most of these snacks are not food. It's, it's a, what I call a food like product. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very true. Very true. So, um, you know, it's only when you start to kind of allow your body to do its job properly, you realize actually this is so a much better way of being. Um, I, I don't, again, um, living in two different worlds, I don't know how it is um, in the UK growing up, but I think it comes from, and I'll definitely get your two cents on this because I'd love to hear your opinion, um, but growing up, you know, especially for me in my household, it was that you couldn't leave the table unless you'd finished all your food. And so I think it's kind of that it's mm. born and bred into you that, you know, your parents say that eat this. And it comes from a loving place, obviously. But then, yeah. you know, as an adult, you can't even think about leaving food on a plate, whether it's a small yeah. plate or a huge plate of food. And I think a lot of restaurants these days are kind of going for quantity rather than quality because so many yeah. of us want a big bowl of something because that then leads to, oh, I'm getting my money's worth here as opposed yeah. to a really good meal, well portioned, and that's what it all it is and you leave satisfied rather than bursting at the seams. Yeah. But what I'm trying to lead to that is that um, I, I kind of um, equate it to the smoking industry and in that obviously smoking, and I might be wrong or um, right about saying this, but smoking obviously goes after kids because if they can instill that habit when they're younger, obviously mm -hmm. then they'll become lifelong smokers. And I'd love to get your two cents on it and obviously I'll um, give my two cents. But what's your your hunch or your kind of gut feeling about intermittent fasting in the kind of teenage kids? I'm, I'm obviously not a five-year-old, but like the teenage yeah. prepubescent kind of age. Yes or no? Well, I think there's no, there's no issue with with fasting in itself with under 18s it's just the issue of um not getting enough calories in yep um in the time period if you know you're a teenager who has no issues with eating big meals especially as you're growing you know they're going to need more food than they've needed in the past then it's not an issue but the fasting in itself um there's no from what i've read and from my own opinion i don't think i don't see why um, teenagers shouldn't be able to do it. Yep. Uh, but then obviously teenagers, especially teenage girls, you know, there's a whole different ball game going on with psychological issues yeah. and, you know, anorexia, which you don't want to go anywhere near. Nope. Um, but I don't think there's any, 
anything to suggest that under 18s can't do it as long as they're eating enough um, when they are eating. Yeah, and I mean, I'm I'm definitely on board with you there. And um, I guess most concerns that I've had from um, parents when um, I, I dealt with a lot of youth um, development stuff when I'm, I was working back in Australia. Um, so kids of the age of 14 to kind of 17, kind of preparing for professional sport, very high level in what they were doing. And I would kind of suggest that this could be possibly a way. And the fear from the parents, and as you said, rightfully so, um, yeah. that little Johnny or Susie um, would struggle with school or for training. Um, mm. And I'd give the exact same advice that you just said then in that I don't believe that as long as they're getting ample calories for their their needs for the day, that skipping that morning meal is not going to be an issue. Um, that yeah. fear that you know if you miss the morning meal, then they'll won't have any energy and they'll have no concentration to kind of do their work at school and things like that, I think he's just... He's the opposite. Yeah, I completely agree with you um, on that. And yeah, I'm, uh, I'm glad we're on the same page there. So um, with regards to the book, let's just kind of quickly get back to there. Um, where's yeah. it currently at? Um, you know, I know obviously you've been on a pretty big push and promotion uh, throughout the UK at the moment. You've been on a yeah. lot of shows, a lot of radios. How's the reception been um, kind of on the whole with the obviously people interviewing and then the public and things like that? It's been... Uh kind of mixed uh in terms of you know obviously i think the the book's very well done it looks great and no one's no one's saying it's a bad book but in terms of the concepts it's it's mixed and you know especially actually some of the kind of tv presenters and radio presenters i find they're quite outspoken about it and they also quite like obviously because they want to you know get ratings they do challenge quite a lot yep and you know i'm i you know i think people like me and you should be challenged um, because, you know, we, we're, we are going against the norm and we're going against the grain. And I think if we can't be challenged and give our, you know, give our opinions without being challenged, then that's no good. But yeah, I think a lot of people who kind of um, understand uh, the concepts of intermittent fasting or, or a bit less regimented in their way of thinking are really like, oh, this is, you know, makes perfect sense. It's, you know, actually this, you know, this could be really, you know, this is great. It's very simple. It's very effective. Um, but then not only that, I'm getting emails from people through my website saying how the book has like completely transformed their relationship with food. Um, cause obviously again, it's all about that weight loss initially, but then actually the kind of being, having so much more energy and not feeling hungry all the time is, is really powerful for people. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. And as I said, um, obviously put your details, but also put a link to, um, is it on Amazon? Is that the best place to get a hold of uh, your book? I guess so. It's on Amazon. It is on sale actually on Booktopia as well, which I think is Australian, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is. How, um, I probably shouldn't speak out too. How have you found Booktopia? To be honest, uh, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> my, I, my, I, I found them um, personally on my side. I, I found them terrible. Um, they They have their own way of pricing on it and they price my book obscenely high. Um, on there, and I, I think to the detriment of them because I don't think they're going to get so. But it's just interesting. Um, yeah. So I mean, I'll obviously get all those details off you, um, Max, yeah. and I'll put them all below. So if you do want to get a hold of um, Max's book, um, I'm certainly very keen to read it. Max is uh, yeah. very kind. Sorry, I haven't sent it to you yet. Um, I need. I've got a pile <laughs> of books I need to be sending. You will be getting it soon. Sorry. No, nah, not a stress at all. And I'm I'm certainly very keen um, to read that. I've certainly seen um, a lot about it, and obviously um, I know you enough through um, what I followed and kind of um, and I'm very impressed with um, what you've done and um, where you've come from thus far and I can't wait to obviously see how you move forward with this movement and I think it's 
I think it's going to be something that um, in years to come, I don't know if it's going to be three, five, 30 years, but I think it'll be one of those things that we'll look back in life and go, why were we ever eating breakfast? I, I do honestly yeah. believe it's going to be something that will become not just another fad um, that I think a lot of people are just kind of, uh, it'll be come and gone by um, you know next Christmas kind of thing. But um, yeah. I, I think it really has the power that, as you said, to not only just help people with weight loss, but I think anyone who takes this up can... Um, feel the benefits from what it can bring to your life i think yeah i mean it's not even so much just like why are we eating breakfast but why is it like not an option not even an option yeah, not true very true um you know and why is there so much defensiveness and narrow-mindedness around the whole thing it's it's crazy it's so emotional and it just shows how successful um essentially cereal companies and food companies have been at marketing their products and getting you to think that you have to have this meal otherwise all hell's going to break loose yeah. uh very true very true um to leave uh, our audience just on a little note um mm. what's kind of next for for max let's i know it's uh, kind of one of those you know what do you see your five-year plan but kind of give us the next you know the next year two years for max what's uh, what's going on in your life um, well, the online business is really starting to take off. I sell tailored meal plans that involve this method of intermittent fasting, the two meal day. Um, but, you know, obviously, you know, for me, having been through that um, experience of living such an unhealthy lifestyle in so many different ways, I'm trying to get across the kind of basically kind of hacks that people can make to their lives, you know, so small changes that people can make to their lives that make a big difference whether it be with alcohol or sleep or exercise or diet, I'm trying to kind of get across that lifestyle message that it's all encompassing and that it, you know, it doesn't like intermittent fasting and, you know, and the start, they um, eat light kind of thing. Yep. Um, it's not, it's not complicated. It's just a, a small change you can make that can have a profound difference. Um, I think there's lots of different um, avenues like with alcohol and sleep that can, that can be um, incorporated with that same kind of principle, just making small changes. And I'm trying to kind of get that across to the world, whether it be through books, through my YouTube channel, through my Instagram and social media, my website. Um, so that's what I'm kind of trying to do and getting there one day at a time. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. Well, um, I do really appreciate your time. I know how busy you are at the moment. Um, you've just opened up a new office uh, down yeah. there in the UK. So um, exactly. big things to come um, for you. And um, as I said, people should definitely jump on. Um, is Instagram the best place to call it, kind of follow you day by day as you're moving forward or is this another channel you'd rather kind of see people kind of uh, see your journey? Yeah, I mean, Instagram is definitely where I have most of um, kind of my following. Um, Facebook and Twitter are growing um, and my YouTube is just kind of starting out. But yeah, Instagram is um, at max.lowry, L-O-W-E-R-Y. Perfect. Um, well, um, I'll put as I'll put a direct link um, down in the yeah. um, show notes here so people can just click on that. Um, but yes. again, Max, I really do appreciate you uh, coming in. I think um, you've added a lot of uh, weight to this uh, topic around intermittent fasting and um I'm I'm hell bent on calling it skipping breakfast because I do want the um kind of yeah. the conversation to change and people not to be so scared about skipping mm. breakfast um and it's kind of why I've called my Instagram channel the No Breakfast Guy um, yeah, I yeah. want to be unapologetic about it and I'm 
No, we should. Yeah, and I, I, I've never been one to kind of tell people what they should do. Obviously, you are who you are, and you can choose to do what you want to do. But um, I do want to push as hard as I can to say that you know there's something in this uh, skipping breakfast uh, way of light, and I think it can uh, certainly help out. And I do appreciate you giving your insights today. So um, yeah, thank you very much for your time. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. No worries, Max. Well, um, that's been another episode of How the Focaccia. Thanks for us answering that question, Max, and we'll see you next time on the show. Thanks a lot, guys. Yeah. Thanks.